Corporate manslaughter. Is this an appropriate punishment for safety incidents? We will discuss this and more in this edition of Process Safety with Trish and Tracy. Process Safety with Trish and Tracy is a production of Chemical Processing. Chemical Processing focuses on serving engineers, designing, and operating plants in the chemical industry. This episode is sponsored by Mary Kay O'Connor Safety Center. MKO and Chemical Processing partner to bring the Process Safety webinar series to you, complete with continuing education credits. To learn more, visit chemicalprocessing.com slash webinars. Welcome to this edition of Process Safety with Trish and Tracy, the podcast that aims to share insights from current incidents to help avoid future events. I'm Tracy Purdom, Senior Digital Editor with Chemical Processing, and I'm joined by Trish Kieran, the Director of the Institution of Chemical Engineers Safety Center. iChemi is based in the UK and Australia, but its reach is global. Trish, how are you doing? I know that in Australia, you and your fellow countrymen and women um, have been dealing with a lot, so can you catch us up on that? Yeah, thanks, Tracy. It's certainly been a, uh, a difficult time here in the last few months in Australia. Uh, as you'd all be aware, we're suffering some quite um, substantial uh, bushfires or, or forest fires, as you'd probably know them. I guess to put in a bit of perspective for you, so far to date, the amount of land that's been burnt in Australia is the equivalent of the size of the state of Kentucky, um, which is a reasonably sized state. It's certainly by no means the smallest one in the US. Um, but to put that in more perspective, imagine that burnt out area spanning down the east coast of the US, sort of starting in Virginia, going through North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and then to Florida, and then put some fires in Louisiana, New Mexico, and California. And that's actually what we're looking at in terms of geographic spread of where these fires are. Uh, tragically, we've seen uh, at least 25 people killed to date and an estimated 1 billion uh, animals and wildlife in the, um, in the fires. So it's it's really quite a, a, a frightening time for us over here, I think. Um, but certainly a reminder that we do need to focus on resilience and particularly the natural hazard triggering technological disasters, uh, NATEC. These are the sorts of issues that when a natural disaster occurs, they can lead to uh, other incidents in the process safety world. And we need to be prepared for them in that um, in that aspect. So I think that there's there's even some process safety learnings from what we're seeing out of the um, the bushfires. Such devastation that we're seeing, and, and to put it in perspective like that, um, just and and to tie it into process safety is is something that um, I think that our readers really need to understand a little bit and, and maybe get some insight out of it. So I'm glad that we're talking about. Um, not only that topic, but uh, we're kicking off 2020 with a controversial topic um, of discussing whether or not plant management should face punishment for safety incidents. And a few big cases come to mind. The Upper Big Branch mine disaster in 2010, where a dust explosion killed 29 miners. The CEO of Massey Energy, which owned the mine, was found guilty on a charge of conspiracy to willfully violate mine health and safety standards, and he ultimately ended up spending a year in jail. Another incident occurred at Bumblebee Foods where a worker burned to death in a lockout tagout accident in 
2012, the company paid $6 million to settle criminal charges. The plant's director of operations had to perform 320 hours of community service, pay $11,400 in fines and other penalties, and take workplace safety classes. Uh, the plant's former safety manager pleaded guilty to criminal safety violations and was sentenced to three years probation. He was also ordered to complete 30 days of community labor, attend safety classes, and pay $19,000 in fines. Uh, and yet another case, 2005, BP explosion at its Texas City refinery. Uh, 15 people died and 170 others were injured. OSHA announced $87.4 million in penalties against BP. $56.7 million of that penalty was levied for BP's failure to abate the hazards behind the fatal explosion. What kind of message does this send? I think the message that it's intending to send is that the regulators and the courts are serious about people having a right to not die at work. And and I think that, that that's a really important message that companies need to receive from society. So we've seen societal expectations change over the last 20 years, certainly within my career, that the things that companies were able to do and not be punished for, for want of a better term, um, has really changed now. So society demands more and we've seen with the rise of social media, society is aware of more of what is going on and they're really using it to pressure a lot of, a lot of companies, but also the legislators and the courts. So, you know, we live in a, a society where the courts do determine a lot of things. They do determine a lot of case law and set the expectation. I live in a regime where we work to the uh, principle of as low as reasonably practicable, uh, which you can't actually clearly define as reasonably practicable in this instance means this. The court will determine that for you after an event, basically. It will be determined, did you do enough? or did you not do enough? If you did not do enough, then you are going to be found guilty. Um, so we're seeing a lot more um, case law determining things like this. So to be honest, the, the punishments don't necessarily surprise me that much. I think we're going to continue to see these sorts of punishments for incidents, continue to have these large numbers talked about in terms of fines that have been levied against companies, and we'll also continue to see uh, that certain people within the chain of the incident may well be prosecuted and face criminal charges for the deaths of their workers or their workmates. Well, that brings up the question, though, are these punishments harsh enough? Uh, you know, back a dozen years or so, as you mentioned, you alluded to, uh, back a dozen years or so ago, worker death was a misdemeanor. It was, you know, wasn't that uh, big of a deal on their end, and it was, you know, something that is a big deal. Um, have those rules changed? And, and again, are these punishments harsh enough? So I think we're seeing that the societal expectation has changed, and are they harsh enough? Uh, we're seeing a move in a lot of places around the world now to push more towards the idea of um, industrial manslaughter. Though, for example, um, one of the states in Australia has actually introduced a, um, a legal tool within their safety legislation, so it's not actually in their criminal code for if a worker dies, you can be sent to jail. Um, and it's a it's a strict liability requirement on reckless endangerment. So there doesn't need to be any intent proved in it. Um, I think that's a little bit concerning. I think, 
I, I actually think that if, if a worker is killed in the workplace, then the company should be held to account for that because no one deserves to die at work, just flat out. That is not an acceptable outcome for anybody. Um, there does need to be some, some ramifications to that. If those ramifications are going to include something like uh, criminal sanctions, such as going to jail, then I really think that they should be done under a criminal statute. From that perspective, then at least you have a natural defence through, you know, you're innocent until, presume, until proven guilty. Uh, you will go through and have your chance to put your case forward, which I think is really important to do, because again, this is another person's life that, that's in the balance here. Um, but I'm not actually against the concept of industrial manslaughter, I have to say, because quite frankly, if through my either negligence or recklessness, someone else dies, if that happened outside of the workplace, I'd be on manslaughter charges. Why shouldn't I be on manslaughter charges if my actions through recklessness or negligence result in someone's death at work? Why should the workplace be separated out from that part of society, I think? So from that perspective, I, I think there is, there is some merit in it, but we have to make sure that we do get that balance right because... I should still be, if I was in that situation, afforded natural justice and, a, and the ability to have a defence. And, and obviously, true accidents happen. That's just a matter of life. We aren't talking about punishments for those. We are truly talking about uh, the, the nefarious characters who snub their noses at safety to bolster the bottom line. Um, so I do think that, and I agree with you, I think prison is appropriate, and in the outside world, we would be up for manslaughter charges. Um, but you brought up the point of social media, and the whole world is watching. Can they get a level playing field and can they look into these incidents um, properly? Yeah, look, I think that is still possible and it, it might mean at times jurisdiction changes because whilst there's a lot of focus on social media and it can generate a lot of, um, a lot of clicks and a lot of shares across the world, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's called click division, clicktivism, people move on. Oh, yes, I've, I've shown my support because I liked it. I can move on now. I don't need to worry about it. So whilst we see a lot happening in social media, I don't think a lot of people actually then remember um, into the detail. So I think it is possible to, to find an appropriate jurisdiction to prosecute someone in should they need to in terms of finding a, uh, a jury. Um, there is also then in some jurisdictions the option that you can actually choose a judge-only trial as well. So if you're concerned about the ability to not be able to choose a, a jury, then you could request that you don't have a jury, that you actually just have a, a judge hearing your case, potentially. So there are, there are many different ways to, to do that. And, and you're right, as we've said, this is about recklessness or negligence. This is not about a small mistake. This is not about someone having a small accident because they, they, they didn't understand. You know, we're talking gross negligence here. This is, uh, it's not just I wasn't trained so I made a mistake. It is far more than that. And it is the sort of incidents that are killing people that we need to be dealing with. So I think it's, it, it can be used in a, a positive way perhaps. Do you think that, that there are lessons learned when, you know, the BPs of the world get these huge fines 
and huge punishments set against them. Do you think that's changing the safety culture? I think it probably creates a little bit of fear in some people and in some organisations. Um, you know, fear that, well, what if it happens to me? And I would then compare that to this idea of chronic unease. Is it really about fear that it's going to happen to you or is it actually just putting you into the chronic unease state you need to be in of believing that your next incident is around the corner so you need to take action to prevent it? So no doubt there will be some organisations where cases like this have a negative impact on, uh, on the safety culture of that organisation because the leaders don't know how to deal with it and so they deal with it in a negative way they probably become very uh, dictatorial in what's going on. They don't listen to other people because they just demand that everything gets done. So there will be some impacts where it has a negative, a negative impact. But for other people, it is an, op- an opportunity for them to awaken to this idea that actually, yes, it might happen to them. So what are you going to do about it? That's the key here. If you think it can happen to you, what are you going to do about it to make sure you're not caught up in it, that it doesn't happen to you? And I think from a a maturity perspective, those that are more mature in the safety journey will take it on in that direction. Um, And I think that's the positive direction to to take it on in. Uh, You know, we see, obviously, there's been a number of issues as well in a completely separate area of the banking sector in Australia, and that's raised issues around company directors in Australia and we've got people saying, well, we won't get people that will be willing to be company directors if they can be prosecuted for anything. Well, no, they're not being prosecuted for anything. They're being prosecuted for breaking the law. If they don't break the law, they won't be prosecuted. So, <laughs> you know, we need to sometimes take a step back and think about what we're actually talking about here. These are instances where a law has been broken and the way our society works, we then have consequences of actions. And that's how we drive accountability in society. There are consequences of actions. If there were no consequences, anybody could do anything and we would live in a lawless state. Now, this is, you know, I guess I can't get my arms around why laws are still broken for the bottom line, why those incidents at Bumblebee Tuna were, where they can ignore certain safety measures. Uh, how How does that still happen in our culture today? I think... We've talked about recklessness and we've talked about negligence. I don't think people are inherently bad on the whole. I'm sure there are a couple of bad players out there and and we've all heard heard the stories of the, the corporate sociopaths. But at the end of the day, there is a climate that exists within an organization that is a way to look at the culture you've got in that organization. And if the culture is about getting production done, and their experience is not that incidents kill people because they've never killed anybody before, then you're not consciously connecting that if I just bypass this to get it done faster, then someone's going to get hurt because you're not consciously connecting that that's an outcome. But the outcome that you are connecting is I'm going to get the job done, so either A, I'm going to get positive reinforcement by being told I did a great job or positive reinforcement by just not being yelled at, depending on what the culture of the organisation is like. So positive reinforcement is a really strong tool that, that people have at their disposal when they're leading. So if that positive reinforcement is to only reward the outcome and not 
the path that got you there, you're going to end up in situations where people do bypass systems. So that's when you do need to go back and say, so what's driving that culture? And that's where we start to see people up the chain of command being charged and prosecuted in this space. Because what culture are they driving that has allowed it to permeate all the way through to the worker on the front line who believes that the organisation actually wants them to bypass the safety systems because they're just in the way. And if I do it faster, I'm going to get rewarded, whether it's either, as I said, positive reinforcement of you did a great job or just I'm not going to yell at you or fire you today. Truly a corporate culture uh, drives everything and, and can drive, and I know you've said it before, safety helps the bottom line. So if you have that corporate culture going all the way down so that these people feel empowered to, to make the safe choices, then we won't see this. And it's those characters that are creating that culture that are the ones that really need to, to rethink their, their focus there. Um, absolutely great points. Um, and, and I know you touched on corporate manslaughter laws, and it, that is pretty abrupt, but what are your thoughts on that being adopted anytime? Is it adopted already? I mean, uh, forgive my ignorance, but has anybody been brought up on manslaughter char charges already? Um, so we certainly have seen it adopted in some Australian states. Um, so as I said, manslaughter exists in one of the regulations in the safety realm. Uh, in another jurisdiction in Australia, it actually appears within the criminal code. Um, so we are seeing it start to appear and there's certainly another two states or two jurisdictions in, in Australia that are moving towards it as well. Um, other parts of the world also have it. So it's, you know, we've been, we've been fearful of moving to corporate manslaughter in the, the corporate sector for many, many, many years, I think. You know, I remember people first talking about it 20 years ago and, and getting very nervous about, you know, we can't be having this. We can't be having people go to jail. Well, as I said, provided I'm afforded all of the natural justice that I would be afforded if the person died outside of the workplace, why shouldn't I? Because in theory, we should be able to control the workplace a lot better than the outside area. I, I don't think it's that um, harsh at all. We're also not seeing people brought up on corporate manslaughter all the time. You know, we're not seeing huge numbers of prosecutions happen here. Again, it needs to get to that point of being gross negligence or recklessness. And when we get to that point, then provided people have their opportunity for their defence in court, provided they are presumed innocent until proven guilty, uh, by a, a jury of their, their peers or a magistrate should they choose, then I don't think it's necessarily such a bad thing. I don't think people just because they're at work should not suffer the consequences if they have directly contributed to the death of another human. And people at work should be able to have a safe workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, do, you, do you have any final thoughts on this topic? I, I know you can go on on and on and on for, for a lengthy <laughs> amount of time, but any, any good final thoughts on this topic? Yes, yeah, so I think, as I said, it, it comes back to culture, it comes back to leadership. We really need to focus on making sure that um, we've got that, those parts of our organisation working well so that we get people doing the right thing because that's the easiest option for them and the best option for them. 
If the easiest option or the best option is to bypass the safety systems, they're going to bypass the safety systems. That will just happen. So, so how do we make it as easy for them to get it right and you know, make it so that the safety systems are what they get rewarded for doing? And so if you've got pragmatic safety systems, then as, I, as you mentioned earlier, it does not cost you money. It actually makes you money because it keeps you running. The moment you kill someone or the moment you have a serious injury within the workplace, all of a sudden you're not running that factory anymore or that plant for a period of time. And it's going to cost you money and you're going to get sued and you're going to get penalised by the regulator and you're potentially going to face jail time. So focus on getting the culture and the leadership right so that people follow the required safety and go home at the end of their shift. That's what it's all about. Unfortunate events happen all over the world and we will be here to discuss them and learn from them and try to get people to do the right thing. On behalf of Trish, I'm Tracy and this is Process Safety with Trish and Tracy. Stay safe.